Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio, and yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. Today, we have a fantastic show lined up for you. Um, we are going to be talking about a series that is on Netflix um, called The Warrior's Nun. Um, it, the Warrior, Warrior Nun, sorry about that. Um, it is an incredible series. Uh, it is a powerhouse tour de force of woman empowerment. It, it turns the traditions of heroism and empowerment on its ear with a force of, yes, um, martial arts-oriented, powerful nuns who um, are out to save the world against uh, demons that are attacking it. Um, While it, I think it's sources from kind of a comic book type material, the material in this series itself transports itself to a much higher level. The acting in it is first caliber. Special effects are incredible. And mysteriously, um, Netflix has not renewed it past its second season. So there are 18 episodes out there that are absolutely fantastic. Um, And there's a huge movement that is trying to get uh, the uh, Warrior Nun to continue and protest of Netflix, etc. In the heart of this huge production is um, a role. Um, it is kind of the mother figure for this uh, crew of nuns, um, and the the role is Mother Superior. Um, that role is played incredibly um, by Sylvia Defanti, um, and Sylvia is our guest today. Um, it is amongst the wonder of this series, this role and Sylvia's performance is so poignant and deep. Um, one thing when you watch a role that is being played by an actress or an actor is when they say the lines and they react to things, you know, it's, it's oftentimes it's the line readings that get the focus. The true measure of a great performance is what is said in silence. And with that, Sylvia's performance goes beyond. Um, the, the pain, the conflict, the intensity that is portrayed in her character's face, in her eyes, in her every gesture is so intricate and magnificent and moving. Um, truly, truly an excellent, excellent performance. So uh, apart from nothing else, watch, watch the series for that. Um, before we bring Sylvia on, and um, we're going to bring her on very quickly, she is in Italy right now, and it is a much, much later time zone. Um, but first, we do want to hear briefly from co-host Brody Levesque. Brody is the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine. Uh, Brody, what are some of the top headlines you're dealing with? 
Today's been kind of a rough day uh, across the United States for the trans community. Uh, In Minnesota, a transgender lawmaker uh, was accused by Fox News of uh, introducing a bill removing anti-pedophilia language from the state's Human Rights Act, which actually is a lie. That was not uh, the intent of the removal of the language altogether, but Fox weren't there anyway. Uh, In Texas... Texas uh, senators have passed a bill that essentially would cause transgender Texans of all ages access to their health care, medical treatments, and gender-affirming health care stuff. It's pretty bad. Uh, This now goes to the Texas House, and, you know, at that point we'll have to wait and see if the House will pass it. Governor Abbott has already indicated that he will, in fact, uh, sign it. Uh, The Justice Department yesterday filed a lawsuit in Tennessee. They are suing the state of Tennessee over the health care law that bans trans youth health care. So we're going to be watching that one pretty closely as well. Um, The Walt Disney Company has had enough of uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his anti-Disney, anti-LGBT campaign. Uh, Disney took the Florida governor into court. And essentially in the 77-page filing in U.S. District Court in Tallahassee said that DeSantis has orchestrated government retaliation against the company for simply expressing its opinion. Disney, if you'll remember, had come out uh, last year when DeSantis had signed the what we call don't say gay law, the parental rights law, and, and said basically this is a bad law. We don't agree with it. And that started off a a year-long fight with the Florida governor, which culminated in Disney losing its self-governing status in the area around Walt Disney World. And as a result of that, it has gotten a little uh, dicey um, down there in Florida. Uh, I'd like to make a quick note for everybody. Uh, This week we had a passage of an amazing man, someone that I'd met a couple of times, uh, Harry Belafonte known as the King of Calypso. He was an LGBTQ ally and an amazing civil rights uh, activist and an icon of the civil rights community, passed away uh, in New York, um, and he was 96, so we lost Harry this week. I did a write-up on all the amazing things he did, so if you folks will head over to LosAngelesBlade.com, you can read uh, all about Harry. Um, and that's pretty much it. I think the last thing that's really on my radar screen, again, unsurprisingly, trans-related, Kansas lawmakers yesterday overrode uh, the governor's veto on a bathroom bill and a bill that would also allow people to change their gender markers uh, on their birth certificate. So once again, here we go. At this point, We are getting close to the end of the legislative session. We have over 450, 450 anti-LGBTQ or anti-trans measures that have been passed. And at this point, with the laws that are now going on the books, we've got 15 states in the United States where trans people are either about to or have lost the ability to get gender-affirming care. Yeah, very sobering. And um, yeah, condolences um, on Harry Belafonte. But uh, man, what a rich and wonderful life um, 
he led and um, full of accomplishment. So, um, you know, and, and in that way, it's, it's beautiful. Um, you know, what, what he, what he provided, what he did, and, um, and finally how peacefully he left us. Um, with that, I want to uh, pivot back to the warrior nun and uh, welcome to the show. Um, star Sylvia DeFonte. Sylvia, welcome. Hi, hi. It's a real honor to be here with you guys. Thank you so much oh, for the kind uh, words. <laughs> oh, no, it's like, it's just that um, they were just being honest, um, you know, calm as I see them. It, 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 I just loved the performance um, so much. It's, um, there was one of the scenes from uh, season one where, and okay, yes, people listening, a little bit of spoiler alert, Try not to give away anything too crucial, but um, there was a scene where you and your character is facing the camera. There's somebody behind you, and you're revealing the past of how you were supposed to be a halo bearer, but it rejected you. And this story you told on your face and your eyes and the emotion that came up, you know, all nonverbal was intense immense it was it was it was super effective um one of the themes in the the whole story for your character um which isn't really talked about a lot but is and it is part of the name is that you were mother superior but you really did act as the mother through the series as did a couple of other mothering was a very well overlaid aspect to the whole storyline how did you react to that and what did you bring to it to embody mothering of these other women so effectively well it's it's um it's about my life timing <laughs> because i when i started shooting warrior nun i uh, my child was just born like he, he was four months and um and I always say, you know, I became a mother and then I became Mother Superior. Um, <laughs> I, I, I bet that I, uh, I do have that in me. Um, I like to protect people. Uh, that's even part of my activism. Um, it's, it's about taking care. It's about listening. It's about knowing um, other people's fragilities and 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 knowing that if you have mm, some quality of of strength of mm, bravado you know if you're brave enough uh to do that you must you must you must protect you must talk um when other people can't um and uh and that comes from experience obviously so i i don't think i would have been able to do that years ago so um, it comes from my life experience and from my acting experience and uh, and of course from the story um and from what i decided to be my backstory even before it was actually written on page um so those are decisions that belong to both uh life and acting um and then working with the girls um, that are obviously younger, but also 
Mm, yeah, I mean, it's also in that case, life just is overlapping the, the acting experience and the story that is told. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, it's a mix of those, of those two aspects. Yeah, it's funny because watching you, I, I could feel that, you know, it's um, because it does, it does reflect your, your life story. It's like a lot, your, your activism resume is, is, um, you know, on par with your acting resume. It's, and, and, and with intersection because your, your activism extends to creating theater um, safety nets and theater safe spaces um, as well. So it's like, it's not like they aren't mutually exclusive, but um, it, it does, your, your background reflects not waiting on something to happen, but creating safety and umbrella um, spaces for other people. And I also love the fact that, you know, it's obviously the, the persona that you brought to in creating this character and that you in real life were becoming a parent at the same time. It was like, it's actually something I'd love to see somebody who is already embracing a parent spirit um, who then is, brings a child into their life. I, 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 yes, I mean, and I may that's be... really all... <laughs> embracing is, 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 yeah, you try to. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, uh, never perfect. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, uh, no. It's, yeah, it's I like my kids and the show with girls, like it's a lot of a lot of stuff is unexpected, and you really need to improvise. But again, you know, art oh. and life assemble so much one to each other. So it's 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 um, it's absolutely interesting. It's a journey. It's yeah. a journey even there yeah. uh, for what yeah. happens. 100%. Uh, yeah, 100%. yeah. I, I, I got my kids a little bit later than normal. And, you know, so, you know, I dove in at that point after having practiced parented three years before that. So, yeah, I totally relate to that. Now, your background, actually, you and I have similar kind of childhoods because I moved around my whole life and, in fact, when you moved around from um, Montreal to Panama to Hong Kong, and then you were returning to Italy at the same age that I actually was leaving Italy um, in my life. So it's, you know, I get that worldliness. How do you feel like that formed your persona of wanting to care for others? Did that have an influence? Well, uh, this is, a very interesting question because um, my first thought when I think about um, my my life, my my childhood, let's say that, moving around and moving houses a lot, not just countries, um, and moving from one education to the other, from one language to the other, the first thought is is um, is precarity, <laughs> and for that mm-hmm. I mean a feeling of um, unstableness, uh, which I think is one of the other um, themes of what brought me to, to acting. Um, because when you have the chance to explore precarity, to explore um, a sense of unsettlement, um, you, you need to find roots uh, elsewhere. So... Um, then in my teenage years and in my 20s, especially when I 
discovered, let's say that, uh, activism, meaning community, um, meaning, you know, bringing people together and creating spaces, um, being part of movements. I think that that comes from um, uh, my search, my longing for belonging, um, a sense of belonging to something um, instead of somewhere. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a universality and, and it has a lot to do with intersectionality as well. So mm, mm-hmm. I think that's where I found my roots. Um, and I think that that has, that moving around has given me that chance to, um, to look for something apparently more unstable, but mm, that is more related to my my inner na- nature, I believe. Um, and so, yeah, to, to, to growing up uh, among people and sharing experiences, um, I think that, is, that has been yeah, given as a, as a gift also because of my childhood, um, which has been, I, I mean, a great... A yeah, great I approach. relate to that. Yeah, I relate to that, what you just said so much, because I, I think uh, that is very true for me as well. I was... I got used to being the outsider and feeling like what it felt like to be the other person moving into all these different spaces. And you're right. It's like you, you, your sense of community, one sense of community um, becomes internal and, and creative where you're, you're creating your community through other parameters that, that other people are just saddled with where they grew up the same town all their life. You know, their sense of community is what they were placed in. Ours is one that we find that we got to create on our own. Um, I was fascinated with your studies um, when you went to university. And obviously, you not obviously, but sensibly, um, cinema and women's gender studies um, being part of what you're expressing in your art form. Um, I was especially fascinated by your thesis on chaos theory and complex identity. Um, Just in terms of how you approach people, characters, human or on paper, how does that um, chaos theory and complex identity play into that? Well, I'm, again, that's that's interesting about the timing. I started when I was in, in, in my Erasmus program, um, I was supposed to stay in Paris for six months and I ended staying for two years. And, um, and it was my first year completely by myself. So I guess I started exploring my autonomy as a person. And so um, I felt free also to make different choices uh, beyond expectations and um and i started studying theater i starting you know i i i signed myself in an atelier um that was in the sorbonne university it was a theater atelier and um and so i started acting and in the meanwhile um i started finding these uh, parallels these very strong connections between what was happening in in the, the 30s of the last century um in art Surrealism, um, you know, Cubism, all the all the avant-garde, and 
what was happening in science. So the, the scientific discourse was also exploring uncertitude. And, um, and so I went on, on this double path. Uh, I'm not a scientist. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not an expert in physics, but um, I started discovering this chaos theory. And because my uh, main subject is cultural anthropology, I found it very interesting that in the, in the 80s, actually researchers started considering what was, first, what was before considered residual, so emotions, uh, rage. They started to use those residual um, marginalized uh, feelings that were usually put beside the, the, the scientific field. They started to use them as an instrument to explore. Um, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And it has to do with what is considered disorder or non-order in physics. And that's how I started studying also chaos theory, which is really, really fascinating, and the complex systems. And, and so I went on for years before I, I finished my thesis, which was a long work. Um, because I was so interested in that. And then I thought, wow, but that's applicable also in, 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 in the gender non-binary systems mm -hmm. and, how, and how artists explore the, um, that, um, that place, the La Soglia, um, between spaces, um, which is not order or disorder, it's non-order. And it's, it's, it's a place where... Uh, improvisation can happen. It's a place where um, new things can emerge, and so new systems. And uh, and that was, I mean, it's much more complex than what I'm saying now. But that was really interesting for me to find to find all those connections and put them together. So uh, philosophy, um, gender studies, art, literature, anthropology, and physics just came together in this. Um, <laughs> in this invention <laughs> that I wrote, but it's, it's, it, it really helped me uh, to understand that that's also something that happens, you know, in acting between you and your character. You, you mm -hmm. get close, close, close. You, maybe you take decisions, but then there's a space where things just happen and you can't really control them. And that's the best part because that's freedom. That's where, that's where you're free actually, and uh, to make things just happen and not mm, measure them through, uh, you know, centimeters or what you can physically, uh, the instrument that you can physically measure with. Um, and so I think it has a lot to do with that. Uh, it may sound, sound a little bit mystique, but uh, yeah, there's also that. No, it, yeah, but it also, it also makes it real because, I mean, that is, that is what creates when it's presented in theater or on film, um, a real person coming through, which you achieved in, um, you know, the uh, warrior nun. It, it's like the, the thing that I deal with in terms of complexity and complex identity is that, you know, just the idea of whoever each person is, is absolutely a lottery winner. I mean, it's, it's like you have beaten a billion odds to be the person that you actually are because you've had, you come from, 
you know, uh, an egg production that could have had thousands of different recipes for half of who you are. And then you have this competition with millions of different possible recipes from the father's side. They come together in one miraculous combination to create an individual person um, who has such a unique DNA that if, you know, they dropped a teardrop at a crime scene, they could be found out who they are. And so we have this huge uniqueness, you know, multiplied by 8 billion people on the earth. And then everybody tries to fit into two boxes, like gender-wise, like you're either A or B. There's this huge, huge um, complexity, which going back to your character of Mother Superior, it's like this was not a cliche woman. This is not a cliche um, Mother Superior of a nun convent it is you know it's like you you brought in and i know that it, the part kind of evolved in the second season as you work with writers but it's like that the character evolved into this fully three-dimensional um both accessible and um absolutely unique person um so it just it's just fascinating to me the the leap between reality and trying to create a real character. Um, what is your process when you meet a character on paper to move her from the paper to what you present in one of your film projects? Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's not always the same. It really depends by the material, but um, usually I, I immediately try to find connections mm, because Again, nothing human is alien. So um, even the worst, uh, let's say that, person can be you. So um, first of all, I put away my judgment. <laughs> I don't judge. <laughs> I, I just uh, try to find the connection uh, between my life story and the story of the character. Uh, of course, that depends on the writing. Sometimes you have to invent more and uh, uh, fun part um, and you create substitutions for the episodes let's say the life episodes of the character and um, and then I have to say that mm, of course it depends on characters but year after year I believe that I put more myself into into the characters into the creation um, then sometimes there are characters that are apparently far away from what you are in society. And there's also this part, you know, characters that are, are people, persons. So they have this public persona, they have this mask, and then they have the inner life that has other movements always there. And sometimes it slips, it slips away, you know, it slips, um, it slips out, the unconscious. And, and so the mask falls, and that's that's when it's interesting because you see the, the layers and it's not just one thing. Um, and that happens only if you really embrace profoundly and, and, and fully uh, the story that you're telling. And in order to do that, you need to, be, you need to start from yourself. There's no, no other way. I mean, that's what after years and years of acting, I, right. I didn't really, right. really say. Um, and... Um, 
and and then when when of course when it's something like Mother Superior and you have an abbot, and in this case the abbot really helps um, because it's about the body, and it's not just the head. It's it's how you walk, how you breathe, um, how that makes you talk, um, and then the stakes. The stakes are always high. Stakes always have to be very high. It always has to be between life and death. I, I don't believe there's right. anything in between. Um, because otherwise it's minimalism and it's not interesting. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, and, and the, the, plot, the plot line of this definitely gave you plenty of life or death um, um, impetus um, going through that. that now, and um, not to be forward or rude, but um, you're, you're absolutely a stunning, beautiful woman, yet the part of the, the character had a scar on her face, obviously no makeup um, uh, or no beautifying makeup. Um, and, and there were plenty of scars within the character. Was that physicality helpful to you in creating her character? Yes, because... I, I really had to work against my vanity. And um, it's a lot of work because, um, first of all, there's the aging, um, which is also something that I am facing in my, in, in, in my life. And you know that it's, it's you know, for women, for actresses, uh, it's not mm-hmm. absolutely not, not taken for granted, right, to to know how to work on vanity because suddenly you find yourself <laughs> walking in the street and it's different. Um, it's not when, you know, you're not 20, you're not 30, you're not even 40 anymore in my case. And, um, and so that was, that was actually a big help because uh, I was really able to, um, to work against vanity and just to, um, to focus on my inner life and not in, in, on how I was perceived um, outside. Um, in fact, it was, there was a lot of stupore, um, a lot of surprise when, when, when I went out on set uh, in my normal habits, <laughs> <laughs> my normal hair, some makeup on. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, you look so young. And, and, then, and then finally my vanity could come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it was, yeah. it was really, again, the, the timing was perfect because I think that that's, um, that's crucial for an actress uh, in her 40s because you, 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 can't, you can't continue to, um, uh, to try, you know, to be something you're not anymore. And, um, and accepting that is a, is a big of the game. And, and it actually makes right. more power. My hope is that the part, part of the thing about playing an older character like that is that the, the things that you're playing are not the tropes that a lot of the younger actresses are asked to play, which is, you know, you're tearing up because you lost a boyfriend or, you know, it's like, it's like the, the complexity of the, the stories when they're well written for an older actress are more interesting. Um, and I yeah. hope that continues. Um, one of the things, like I said, you studied women and gender studies um, as part of your 
you know, educational background with this piece being really very provocative and turning, you know, cliches on their head, conventional thought on their head, um, culture on its head. How, if, if you were standing back looking at that from your educational background, examining this piece, um, what would your opinions be about it, or good or bad? Overall good, um, because, uh, well, being a feminist, trans-feminist, um, I obviously know that there's um, sometimes a simplifying narrative also when, when in, you know, in media in general these themes are, are treated, um, which is, again, it's part of the game. Um, and, uh, but I think that, first of all, there's the um, pedagogy, the in educational part, um, I think it's very important um, to have narratives where um, persons that um, are in an identity crisis or, um, you know, are crushed by society expectations can find themselves and recognize themselves. Um, so that is the first thing that I think is, is really important and, and this show actually achieved. Um, I can say that because of the mm-hmm. you know, movement <laughs> that has exploded after afterwards. Right. Um, Clearly, right. Yeah. So that's that's really that's really fantastic, I must say. Um, then then there's you know the cliche of the armed women, the weapons. That's not something that you see a lot. Um, and it's, um, I mean, there's a story of, of, of women in the past with, with, you know, with guns or um, weapons in that way. And I think that re-signifying it in this, in this way, in this, you know, fantasy way, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting as well. Um, because the, the Order of the Christopher Sword is, is, a, is a, like, like an army of, 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 of young women or less young women fighting against evil uh but also the evil is interesting it's not it's more it's not just black and white um mm-hmm. it's about the evil is is, is more the hierarchy <laughs> that is shown um in warrior nun than 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 just the person that is the evil um so i think that's interesting it's it's the 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 choice of the sisterhood uh, instead of um, of the hierarchy that is verticality, uh, binary, um, simplifying, and um, instead there's much more in, in bonding with uh, among the sisterhood. Um, so I think that's an aspect that really really comes out of the show, and um, and so yeah, I think <laughs> I think that. Um, I really hope that those are the stories that can be told more and more. Um, yeah. And uh, and and it really it really it fascinates me to to find so many connections with yeah with my with my life. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, I I think that is I, I think there are things watching the series that are. Um, really poignant, and I think there are things that, as people discover uh, 
the show uh, on an ongoing basis, I think it's going to make it classic because there is such a, um, a paradox between you have the heart of the show being these, these, these powerful women who are, you know, accomplishing things, let's put it that way. And, um, and then, then there's a scene where your character comes into a meeting that is called by the Pope and um, brings in another woman, just, you know, happenstance. But of all the, quote, unquote, important men giving input in the, or important people giving input in the room, they are all men with two women, one of which wasn't invited, and your character having to stand up and basically lay out the truth for everyone in the room. And for me, that took me to a whole societal issue of what's happening in the United States with tons of white men in power dictating to women about, you know, their health care and, and that body. kind of yeah, injustice. Whereas the film itself, the, the series itself, you know, you have, you know, entities that are female and male and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of like looking at like, okay, that's what's really going on. And yet we've layered this male dominated thing over on top of it. Um, and your character really is the breakthrough into that hierarchy, ironically. Um, in, in that scenario. That's my favorite. I, I don't know that I had a, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I had a good question in there, but just, you know, a, an observation. No, it is, it is. Um, when I read that scene, I was so happy because, um, yeah, because the, 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 it, it's exactly what you just said. Uh, people talking from their privilege um, and, uh of course, I know. I, I, you know, talking about privilege, I, I know exactly where I stand. Uh, I situate myself. Um, I position myself for who I am. So I'm, you know, privileged, right. white, um, <laughs> born and living in in Western society. So um, clearly, there's a privilege there. Um, and uh, the important thing is, is you know, to recognize it. Um, then you're in in this room, this uh, ideal room of of of, of super privileged men uh, where, you know, white supremacy is just told and, uh, and, and it's there. And then, mm, you know, mm, it's, it's just there and it's how it is supposed to be. And then, and then it's not, uh, it's not right. And there's this young woman talking and uh, I'm protecting her because she's telling the truth. She's telling the truth. And, uh, and she's investing them with the truth that they don't believe until I create panic. <laughs> Not yeah. only with the speech, but with the fight, um, which is, you know, actually what sometimes is, is, is needed in, all, in, in order to, to make your, you know, opinions be heard. Uh, I, I don't yeah, mean and that smashing throats, but <laughs> not literally <laughs> what I do in the scene. Um, right. But, right. You know, well, as much as we may want to, right? <laughs> like, yeah. It, well, that that scene was so um, pivotal, and um, and honest to God, I hope I hope somebody in the academy is watching in the Emmy Academy, and because uh, um, your performance in that 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 whole scenario there was absolutely mind-blowing 
um, amongst other other places in the series. Um, I do want to ask you though about taking it out of the the acting realm to spaces that you have created between um, Angelo Mai, uh, Blue Motion, and Teatro Valle uh, Occupado. Um, what can you tell us about those spaces and what your motivation for 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 starting them was? Well, um, Teatro Valle Occupado and Angelo Mai both started as occupied places. So Angelo Mai was was an abandoned space in the middle of in the center of Rome, very central. Now the the, the neighborhood is completely gentrified. It wasn't when it started in 2004. It was it was getting gentrified, like a lot of the center in Rome. Like the center is um, it's completely gentrified. A lot of the people that live there have to move away, and um, and so this occupation was a statement, and uh, and it became one of the most important in, in Italy because um, there was a lot of space for arts. Uh, for creativity, rooms for rehearsals. Uh, so we just opened it for people to come in, to rehearse, to create their projects, to go on stage. There was a small stage. There was a um, consecrated uh, church where we, we played you know, tango and very famous singers and authors from Italy came there and played there or performed um, it became really huge. And then, then they evicted us. They evicted us because they had to build a school. Well, this was in 2006. The school is still not there. The place is completely abandoned again, vandalized, hmm. no words on it. And unfortunately, this, well, luckily we, we occupied another spaces and, and then they basically, the mayor of Rome, they gave us a space to build, uh, which is not ours. I mean, the place is, uh, is of, of the Comune di Roma, of the municipality, uh, but we do activities there, and uh, and we do theater, music, concerts, workshops. Uh, we open for all the associations, the migrant associations, especially. We're very close to uh, to the um, people that are um, you know in transition from a country to the other. Um, we just did uh, for the. Festa della Liberazione for the Liberation Day uh, from the Nazi fascism. We, we created a whole day uh, with uh, 70 musicians that came in for free. Uh, and all the money um, was for Alarm Phone. It's, 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 um, it's a network, a phone network that works in the Mediterranean uh, for, um, for the people, for the migrants. Uh, for the um, SOS, and it's the first call that they make. And then uh, this network is able to contact ONGs, um, the boats around to let them, you know, be saved. And unfortunately, it's terrible, the situation in the Mediterranean. Like, mm-hmm. We're talking about um, almost 500 people dying just, just since the beginning of two, two, 2023. So this place is, oh is, is, a, is an activist space, um, and uh, there are also amazing parties, and uh, we are, um, it's a queer space, it's a safe space, um, so all, all our 
we have different kinds of you know activities that space between um, you know queer and help for migrants and then you know theater auto production self productions and then we have Blue Motion it's our company we do some of our productions there as well. Um, while Teatro Valo Cupado was occupied for three years, again, the most ancient theater in Rome abandoned. And uh, wow. it was a very, very different moment, that moment. I mean, we're talking about two, two, 2014. And it was, uh, the political situation was very different. And there were a lot of occupations. It was, it was a moment where Occupy was, you know, the Arab Springs and Occupy Wall Street. That was all happening in the world. So it was in right. that wave. And we occupy the space as, as workers of art and entertainment. And we were supposed to stay there three, three days and we stayed there three years because the response of the citizenship was so active and so strong that we created a foundation of commons. And then again, um, political environment shift, shifted and uh, we were kindly invited to go out because the theater had to return to the municipality, and now it's 2023, and the theater is still not open. It has been closed. So this is just, uh, I, I always say this is an example of how culture works um, here, and of course it's different. We have culture is mainly public here, uh, but the financing is, is has been cut, 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 and, uh, and uh, of course, let's say that, especially for the government that is now uh, ruling in Italy, it, it really has no importance, culture, especially right. when it's uh, aimed to create critical thinking. Um, and so that, that's, that's the main purpose of all these spaces to, to continue to live. And Angelina is one of those very rare spaces now in the city and in Italy that still live this way, uh, not helped at all. Uh, only on voluntary base, basis. So, it, it, but it's that you know, helping to helping people to have to develop a critical thinking about the world. Um, and it's yeah, it's really, it's really important. It, it's super, super important, and you know, really bless you for for putting your heart and soul into that. And I'm sure you're not done. Um, I'm sure this is. Uh, going to be ongoing. I can't help well, but, but hear the there parallel. Are new generations that are stepping in. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just interesting because if if you take the plot line out and but the spirit out, you can definitely overlay, um, you know, the the warrior nun in that situation from from the fantasy uh, one where it's online. Um, obviously, warrior nun has hit a real deep feeling um, in, in the hearts of millions of people. Um, Netflix chose not to pick it up for season three. Um, uh, my first question, just artistically and from your perspective, um, if, if this is it for Warrior Nun, two seasons, do you feel the story has been adequately told? Do you feel like, like it now stands as its own piece or is, do you feel like there's unfinished business that absolutely should have happened um, in, the, in just the storyline itself? Well, I think that the writers would tell you that there's definitely something unfinished there. Uh, I think that 
there was great potential, uh, like for every, you know, for every story, there's potential. Uh, but I also think that um, the untold is uh, is what is told. So um, even what has not been said is uh, is out there, and uh, somehow it's going to be picked. Maybe not in the same storyline, but um, I'm sure that in, the inspiration is out there. So mm-hmm. that's that's my hope. That's my hope. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, one of the things um, I know you've been asked if you would come back if they if they put it, put uh, season three somewhere else or if Netflix changed their mind. Um, but I have a whole different question for you. Um, what what role if you could wave a magic wand and have it right in front of you today? What is the the role that you are really aching to create and play um, in your imagination? Mm. <laughs> uh, well, it, it, when you said that, I, I mean, in 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 my mind, I had um, Betty Davis and Tallulah Bankhead, <laughs> just because they're my. I love them both, um, and both of them. Uh, so, so, you know, their career, even if it was a very different time. Um, just blossom when they were mm, older. Um, something with with that irony and that uh, irony and desperation. I think they're very close. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I I would love to do something that has um, yeah comedy inside, um, but is also you know tragic. I know this is is a large spectrum. Um, but in my head, I, some, I have some references that are um, more precise. Mm, I, I don't have a you know, magical wand. Yeah. Um, I wish to find something that matches my spirit right now and, uh, and something that is really necessary to be told. That's where I'll put my, all myself. Definitely. And I, I, I mean, Betty Davis would be great. It's just- the the issue with Davis is, you know, she's such a character and, and so ingrained in people's minds um, that that's hard. I would kill to see you play Tallulah. I think that would be incredible. <laughs> uh, it's like that because it's, it's so much of her story is not really told. So I think that would be really amazing. Amazing story. Amazing story. Yeah, yeah. But but everything you could bring to it would be. Um, yeah, that 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 would be absolutely amazing. So um, one of the things is uh, you are more aware of probably than anybody else on the planet. There's almost like a cult following that has emerged from um, Warrior Nun, and um, you know to the point that the the followers even have names for themselves. And um, you know I, I'm sure creating images around the halo and and all that sort of thing. Um, and certainly we're probably having a lot of those people hopefully listening to this podcast. What would you like to say to that group of followers that have been not only just inspired, but really finding a life out of your work? Well, then I 
love them all deeply. And uh, I, I am amazed about, you know, all, all, all the achievements. I mean, they are, first of all, they're so creative and they're so well organized on a trans- transnational level. Um, and how they connected between, you know, Brazil uh, and, you know, Canada and then the Philippines. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just so powerful. And they created friendships. They created these groups. And, and, and again, they're really creative. And they have amazing skills. So yeah, I, I, would, yeah, I would tell them to, to, to go on and to go to some of these, you know, corporations and say, hey, you know, you have to hire me because I'm good. <laughs> they're so <Yeah>. good. <laughs> so good. Look at this campaign I did. I can do it for you. Yeah. I can, I can, <laughs> I can campaign your soft drink really well. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they are dedicated and, and passionate. Um, and rightly so. I, like I said, at the top of the show, it's like the, the series really changes the, the vision of women in it. Um, I'll tell you one, there was one scene and I, for what, whatever reason, I can't get it out of my mind, probably because, um, you know, here we have strong fighting women and everything else. Um, there's one scene where two of the characters come out and they both apologize to each other. And it sort of like took me back to something I know with a lot of women friends where women tend to be raised to apologize. If they're assertive or whatever, they have to say they're sorry for it. And it's like, I, that is one point in the story I wanted to reach in and go, stop it. Don't say I'm sorry. Um, what, what do you hope young women will take out of these characters? Being more unapologetic. Exactly <laughs> 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 what you said. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree with what you said. Like, yeah, we, we, we definitely need to be less apologetic about who we are and uh, be able to make our mistakes um, and just, you know, go through them. And then and that's growth. That's growth. So, yeah, yeah I would just say, you know, stand up. <laughs> right. Just stand up and be... Uh, be like Mother Superior, um, who is who's absolutely a, a great role mo- role model. Um, just housekeeping, where you know, obviously, um, if people have Netflix, they can see the series. Is it available on DVD or in other format or other places? I don't know. I, this really, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put it out there. If if you don't have Netflix, go look for it. It's like um, it, yeah. it, it is absolutely a must see. I, honestly, I've watched other you know um, you know Stranger Things and watched um, uh, Wednesday. And if you like any of those, um, Warrior Nun is absolutely that caliber of production, and and in many ways even more profound. I think because I. I do think there are really societal statements that the the storyline um, and a lot of the themes, uh, you know, project in it. Um, Sylvia, I want to thank you so much for coming on, especially given it's like in the middle of the night where you are. Um, it's a pleasure. Uh, we've 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 got we're down to our last uh, three minutes here. What haven't I asked that I should have asked you? 
I'm sorry? What haven't I asked you that I should have asked you? Uh, I think you asked me amazing questions. I'm I'm really I'm really happy. I'm really happy and I love radio, like I love it. So <laughs> it's so comfortable. Uh you know. So it it's been yeah, let's you know, let's become friends, Rob. <laughs> I am I am all down for that. It's like it's like when I read read your, your, your through line, it's like I totally relate every step and there there's so many um intersections and I, I'm absolutely fascinated with with your work and what you've accomplished. I, I I'm in in awe of that. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm down for that. And um, unfortunately, we've got to wrap it up for today and tonight for those of us in Italy. Um, and I I hope you have a, a wonderful uh, next day. And I can't wait to see what comes next for you because um, I, I feel like you're just on the brink of of some really big time recognition. Um, People Magazine calls you someone to watch, and that is absolutely true. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for this time. Thank thank you. And for our listeners, thank you guys for listening. We will be back again next week. Um, Don't forget to check out the Los Angeles Blade, losangelesblade.com. It has all the breaking news that you need to read. And for those of us at Radio LGBT Radio, um, we will see you again next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.